episode of Bet the Edge powered by PointsBet. I'm Sarah Perlman and riding with me and you today and every day during the week, my co-host Drew Dinsick. Drew, I'm super excited to finally be able to do this show with you Monday through Friday. We got NFL draft, we got Kentucky Derby, home stretch of the NBA season and so much going on in baseball. I cannot wait to get into this. Yeah, we have been looking forward to this for quite a long time. So thank you guys all for tuning in. We're going to have a lot of of coverage in the sports betting space. We're going to try to give you guys listening and watching actionable items, whether it's against the spread, money lines, game totals, player props on each and every episode. And we're also going to tell you guys how to use the edge betting tools because those project how some of the games are going to play out. So you can all get an edge on your wagers. A lot to get to. The main storyline, so many. We're going to talk about Zion Williamson and PG-13, what he's doing, get into the Clippers. We'll have Warren Sharp, how to make money on NFL draft props. Eddie Olchek's going to join the show where the biggest value is uh, at the Kentucky Derby this weekend. It's a crazy weekend, as my co-host Drew pointed out. And at the end of every episode, Drew and I are both going to give out edge of the day, which is pretty much the one thing we're looking at, the one line that stands out where we think you could find value. But for now, not our edge of the day. This is really just notable line movement. My co-host, as you'll realize, stays up at all hours. He's on the West Coast and he (laughs) finds line movement and the early best lines every night at 1 a.m. will typically email me. I'm sleeping by then. So, Drew, fill me in. What uh, what lines stand out to you and what kind of games you're keeping an eye on? Well, the NBA market was hot overnight. There has been a <laughs> lot of action. Um, the one that I'm the most interested in really is the I'm, – and I'm going to end up being the buyback here. Um, people can't get enough San Antonio Spurs money down right now. We've seen this uh, move out from minus two to minus three and a half. Um, there may be some speculation that Bradley Beal gets scratched uh, moving that line. But uh, for me right now, the Wizards are uh, one of the more underrated teams in the NBA um, with David. Bertans back. They have spacing. They have shooting that uh, is tough for pretty much every other team. Uh, you know, to to measure up with San Antonio inclusive. Um, I know that there's a little bit of a rest edge here for San Antonio with Washington having played a pretty tough game against the Cavs last night. Um, but almost certainly with uh, the you know with the number drifting out here to Washington plus 135 on the money line, uh, I'm not going to be able to pass on that. I make this game a pick 'em. Uh, how about you uh, looking at the baseball market? Well, when people will click quickly learn that I normally just jump on whatever line that you throw out in the <laughs> NBA. So I guess I like Washington too. I will say uh, the edge prediction on NBC Sports Edge, that tool I was talking about, they also like Washington to cover. Moderate strengths to cover and to win outright, plus the game to go over the total. You can check out those on our edge projections. But for me, the game I'm looking at, I'll stay in baseball. Everyone probably knows that about me by now. Um, I'm looking at this Angels-Rangers game, and I'm curious – A lot of this is just going to depend on Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon. There is no news as if they're playing today. It looks like Mike Trout's going to play, so I think they're going to become heavier favorites. But Shohei Otani is pitching. I know he doesn't go deep in games, but he's dangerous when he's pitching, and he also might hit today. They're going to announce that. So keep an eye on that. I will say, if you look at Jordan Lyles, who's pitching for the Rangers, the only loss he faced this year was against the Angels. Gave up three runs, five hits, and six innings last week. It's looking like I'm going to back the Angels, especially when this news comes out. But if you want the better number, I would say try to go with it now before the official announcement comes out that Mike Trout, the best player in baseball, is playing. We'll get into more games later that we like. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, Eddie Olchek is going to join us to talk all about the Kentucky Derby. 
Okay, let's time. Let's bring in Eddie Olchek on the Kentucky Derby hockey analyst and lead horse racing handicapper. Eddie, how we doing? Thanks for joining the show. I'm doing fine, Sarah. Drew, uh, proud to be on the maiden voyage, and hopefully we can uh, make some people some money. Uh, you do your, you stay in your lane, and I'll stay in my lane when it comes to uh, hockey and horse racing. It's interesting. I heard you both when you came on. I thought it was interesting on the weekend, and I take great interest in this. Uh, I don't know if anybody saw the Saturday Pittsburgh Penguins New Jersey Devils game, but the total was five and a half in that game, and it was a three-two game. Sidney Crosby got the puck with 2.6 seconds left to go in the game. The puck was below his goal line in his own zone. He shot the puck 198 feet. It hit the back of the net with 0.1 second remaining. The goal oh. counted. The Penguins won 4-2. to two, So there were a few people that were overly excited or over the moon considering either side of the <laughs> So uh, I thought that was very, very interesting uh, what happened on, on Saturday in the Penguins-Devils game. So thanks for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> Extremely it. interesting. We'll get to hockey in a bit. But, yeah, people who had the uh, the over in that one, I'm sure, were very fired up. Maybe the puck line, too. Okay, <laughs> let's get into horse racing. Huge Saturday, the Kentucky Derby. I know that everybody listening and probably everybody in our country is beyond excited for this one. It's been a really weird year for horse racing. Horse racing. Drew pointed out earlier, we were talking just about the two-year-old was disrupted, the, the, the typical year for the horses. Is this more likely that we're going to see an upset occur in the Derby or typically chalk prevails in this race? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a wide open race, Sarah. Uh, the Kentucky Derby, you can get a lot of value uh, even if you like the favorite, you know, and, and we've had some favorites, uh, you know, win here over the course of the last, you know, five to seven years, but you get some big prices underneath and you can turn a $1 investment into 65 or 70 to one. If you are able to find the horses to finish second and third, if indeed you do like the favorite, the favorite of the Kentucky Derby will be essential quality. Who was the two-year-old champion last year. He's perfect five for five in his career trained by Brad Cox, a Louisville native, trying to win the Kentucky Derby for the first time. Uh, but just to give people a little bit of a, uh, a quick peek, uh, essential quality is not going to be in my top three when I come to my picks oh, on wow. Saturday. We have the Derby draw on Tuesday, so yep. we'll see how that all plays out. But you can use the favorite, uh, but it's just about handicapping and money managing is how you can turn a favorite into maybe, you know, 15 or 20 to one, if it happens to come up pretty chalky, but I don't think it'll be a chalky. Uh, I don't think it'll be a chalky type of a day, uh, especially Derby day on Saturday. Wow. Interesting. Um, do you have a feeling right now, the way the market is moving, who's the second choice is going to be between uh, rock your world uh, or um, known agenda? Yeah, it looks like Drew. It looks like Rock Your World, the winner of the Santa Anita Derby, uh, looks like uh, he will be the second choice. So I'm figuring essential quality will be in that probably five to two, three to one range. Uh, so if you bet two, you win five, you put seven in your pocket. But I think Rock Your World will be second choice. Uh, the California connection, Joel Rosario, as good as a jockey there is in the world, takes over the mount. Uh, first time on dirt, last time, interesting enough, this horse has only run three times. Uh, and I think you'll probably be looking at probably four to five to one. And then no agenda who has a mm -hmm. hockey tie as well. The owner oh. is St. Elias stable, uh, which is owned by Teresa and Vinnie Viola. Uh, they won the Kentucky Derby a couple of years ago with always dreaming. 
Uh, but they also own the Florida Panthers, who were having a heck of a year in the National Hockey League and trying, yep. to, win the, uh, trying to win the uh, Central Division. So uh, they're no strangers to the Kentucky Derby. I think known agenda will be every bit of uh, probably six or seven to one. So you're looking at essential quality, I think five to two, three to one. Rock your world in that five to one. And I think known agenda probably in that six or seven to one. And just for the record, uh, if I can get seven to one on known agenda, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll all jump on board with that one. Okay, Eddie, you mentioned a little bit just about the post draw, and we're talking about the odds here on the Kentucky Derby, but do you expect the odds to, to make a major shift? Will we see a shift come draw tomorrow at 11 a.m. after? Uh, I, I don't think so. I mean, unless, unless look at uh, Sarah, unless somebody gets the, uh, the, the uh, I don't know what, what's the word I'm looking for. If somebody gets the number one post position is buried down on the inside, then all of a sudden somebody's numbers, somebody's numbers may move and go the wrong mm-hmm. way. Uh, the number one post position is not very good uh, at the Derby. We do have a new starting gate this year, which will be interesting to see how that all plays out, but expecting a full field of 20, uh, the movement will be really interesting, and you know I don't want to go inside horse racing or inside uh, baseball, so to speak. But it'll be interesting. Last year, because of the pandemic, and it was run in September, uh, the Derby handle was down dramatically, almost 50% from the year before, where we set a, a record as far as handle. It's going to be interesting. There, there's a big dispute going on right now with the host track Churchill Downs. And uh, my favorite city in the world, Las Vegas, uh, there is no opportunity for the people of Las Vegas to, to bet the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. So it'll be interesting, you know, how much money is lost. Now, the hotels, I'm understanding, are going to be booking the bets, which is not what they usually do. It's paramutual. So everybody goes in there and they get their cut and the track gets their cut. But I think, you know, that'll be interesting to see how much the handle is hit because of the dispute there between uh, Churchill Downs uh, and Las Vegas. But the Derby draw Sarah Longwinded is very, very important, and odds could move either way depending on the type of horse you may be looking at. Wow, that's fascinating. Um, I guess, you know, all, most of us thinking hard about a long shot, honestly. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is nobody, you know, yeah, it, it's fun to win a three to one, a seven to one, sure, but uh, I'm going to for sure be filling out some of the um, uh, superfectas for fun. Yeah. Uh, I want some big prices down the down my card here. Uh, and also, you know, of course, Cato River gets scratched. He was one of the early speed horses. We thought maybe I, I was looking at this thinking this could be potentially be a fast race. Uh, mm-hmm. But without Cato River now, this might be a slow one. Are there some uh, some big prices, some long shots that are closers that could potentially um, um, hit the board? Yeah, you know what, Drew, I think it's interesting is uh, there's no doubt with with Caddo River uh, out, uh, you know, maybe the speed pace isn't going to be what a lot of people thought it was. When I'm looking at it, I I, I look at it as, as, you know, I I think it's going to be uh, a good pace. I think it is going to be an honest pace, uh, meaning, and I think the one, uh, if you're watching the race on NBC uh, this coming Saturday, which is hard to believe it's the first Saturday in May already and happens to be. (laughs) May 1st. And oh, by the way, the real Ed check my father, that's his birthday. So I should wish my dad a very happy birthday Ooh. on Saturday. Um, the, 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 uh, when you're listening to Larry Colmas, the voice of the triple crown on NBC, when he says three quarters of a mile, so that's six furlongs, they're running a mile and a quarter, but six furlongs is three quarters of a mile. When you hear Larry Colmas say three quarters of a mile in, and then they'll put the little fraction up on top of there. If, if you see the number, under 111, a minute and 11 seconds, they're going at a pretty good clip. So if they're going 110 and one, or if they go 110 flat, they're moving along. So you could maybe look for horses that maybe are in that second or third flight 
that have that opportunity to pick up the pieces. So I, I think it's going to be a fairly quick Kentucky Derby. Again, go inside horse racing quick. The last seven years, when the lead horse, now remember, that's the proper, you got to remember the verbiage of the lead horse. When the lead horse gets to the mile marker of the Kentucky Derby, with only a quarter mile to go, the last seven years, the winning horse was either first, second, or third when the lead horse got to the mile marker. So what does that wow. tell me? Well, it tells me the trend is, and we're all into trends now in analytics and numbers, whether it's gambling on sports or gambling on horses, is that the last quarter of a mile, the track has been able to carry these horses home. So horses, Drew and Sarah, that come from six and seven and eight lengths out of it sitting eighth or tenth, it hasn't happened the last little while. And we've had some fast times. Now, we've had some tracks that have been sloppy and fast, and you know they've kind of carried the horses. But of those seven, four of them, the leader has been at the mile marker. He has been the first horse to get to that mile marker and carry it at home. So the trends tell you, you got to look for a horse that is close to the lead. So what I would say is you're looking for a long shot. And uh, Todd Pletcher trains known agenda. Who's the horse that if the Derby was in an hour from now, I would be betting with both hands <laughs> and hopefully getting seven to one. as we talk about. But he has three other horses, no trainer in the history of the Kentucky Derby has had more starters in the Derby than Todd Pletcher, Hall of Famer. He's won it twice only. He's had 55 starters. He's going to have four starters as of right now in the Kentucky Derby. One of his long shots is going to be a horse by the name of Sainthood. He's only run three times. He finished mm. second uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, at Turfway Park uh, on a different type of track, a synthetic track, a, a synthetic track, a poly track. This horse is going to go to dirt. This horse, I think, is bred to go the distance. I think has enjoyed the Churchill down surface, his work with known agenda. And quite frankly, I think has looked better than known agenda in the mornings when working. So I believe you'll get every bit of 35 wow. or 40 to one on sainthood. So again, does the horse have to win to make money? Absolutely not. But uh, Sarah and Drew, if you're looking for a long shot and you want to bet something to show, meaning all the horse has to do is finish first, second, and third, you can bet $20 on sainthood. Yeah. Turn that $20 into maybe $180 or $190 if the horse just finishes third. So there's different ways to get uh, kind of crazy there. But look at sainthood. I think sainthood has got a chance to run a big race. And I think the horse will be forward when I talked about that mile marker kind of um, a milestone or, uh, you know, kind of that landmark uh, when they're running the mile and a quarter derby race. Right. Yeah. Eddie Sainthood opened at a hundred to one bet down to 55 to one. We'll see where that number lands. The most exciting two minutes in sports is back on NBC this Saturday. Coverage starts at 2.30 PM. Eddie, we can't let you go without talking a little hockey. That would be ridiculous <laughs> of us. So real quick, give us some legitimate contenders to win the Stanley cup. Yeah. Well, full disclosure. Uh, I thought the Colorado avalanche Sarah was, was the team to beat. Uh, and I think they're the, uh, the favorite right now. Um, I think the last time I checked, I think they were somewhere in that, uh, five to two or seven to two range. Uh, they've taken a lot of money here recently and rightfully so. I think they've gotten, I think they've won like 16 or 18 games, but the interesting thing is, is that you could argue that the Vegas golden Knights are the second best team in the national hockey league 
they're going to collide in the quarterfinals, everybody just would assume. So, you know, for me, at the end of the day, uh, the Colorado Avalanche and Vegas Golden Knights, somebody's going to eliminate somebody there. And mm. kind of, you see, you know, in points bet, you know, you, you see the numbers here. It's interesting Vegas is, is, is that far behind the Avalanche because I don't think they're that far behind them. I do like the Avalanche. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, and the Carolina Hurricanes are two teams. Out of the value with everybody there, it would be the Capitals and the Hurricanes to me that I look at those two teams. If something goes crazy and you get to the final four, um, I would look at those teams and go, wow, if you're really looking for a value, to me, it would be the Carolina Hurricanes. The Washington yes. Capitals would be the value plays. But full disclosure, my pick was the Avalanche when they were 9-1 to one earlier in the year. Hopefully people yep. got their feet wet a little bit earlier, but it's absolutely wide open. And look, the teams in the Northern division, you know, we, we, you know, it it could be anybody. How about the Winnipeg jets? They still got a legitimate chance. I think there's somewhere North of 15 to one to come out of the North division. So uh, pick your poison, but uh, the avalanche was my pick and I'm going to stick with them. All right, Eddie. Yeah. Avalanche open at eight to one now sitting at plus three seventy five. Eddie, thank you. Not just for that quick hockey info and futures market to win the stanley cup all of the info on the horse racing has got me way too excited and after this show i will be placing quite a few bets if i can get in all right eddie thank you so much we appreciate it okay sarah drew best of luck and we'll look forward to being with you soon thanks for having me all right drew it's time to talk nfl draft props right up your alley we're going to bring in a good friend of ours good friend of the show warren sharp Warren, we need to get right into this because all you see in the media now is going to be who are the San Francisco 49ers taking. And I don't want to really discuss that with you. I think there's a lot of opportunity elsewhere. So where do you see value in the market when it comes to NFL draft props? Well, I think that's a great lead in, Sarah, because it's about when you're betting draft props, there's so many out there and books are coming up with more and more options for you to bet. And so when we're betting in in the group that I'm working with, we are looking for two things. We're looking for value and we're looking for, do we know more than other people? And we're also along with value is how much can you actually get down? So, you know, we have found props that we thought had some value and we're trying to bet, you know, several hundreds of dollars and they're limiting us to $25. At that point, we scrap that. It's just not worth the value. Even the payout on those is really good. Like it's just not worth the value whatsoever in terms of trying to invest your time. So you have to invest your time where you can actually get down. One of the edges that we have found is looking at some of the books that have lined lots of different individual players. There are lots of different players that you can find, you know, over under 205 is their draft slot. We're talking outside the first round. We're talking like in the sixth round where we may know more about this than some of the bookmakers do. And you can tell that a bookmaker is unsure by how much they're going to move their number. So I'm just going to throw a couple of these out there. The lines in one case, I think it's still bettable. And another one, it's a little bit burnt completely. Uh, But let's go through the process because that's what's important is talking about the process of this. So there's a guy, he's a cornerback from Ohio State, Sean Wade. This guy was a stud slot cornerback in 2019, was projected to potentially be a first round draft pick if he came out after the 2019 season. Obviously, they went to the semifinals and lost to the Clemson Tigers. 
He then goes and sticks around. He's about to opt out. He's about to go to the NFL and sign with an agent. He decides to stick around. Now, in 2019, he was playing in the slot. They then move him to the perimeter in 2020 because both the guys that played the perimeter in probably the best defensive back class in the NFL in 2019 at Ohio State, a couple of those guys graduated, go to the league. And so he now gets shifted to the outside. He plays terrible on the outside, does not look good whatsoever, and his draft stock completely plummets. He's also playing through an injury. Now, the issue is some coaches in this year and some front office guys are watching a little bit more 2019 tape than they are 2020 tape because they think that that could potentially be a little bit more representative of what they're going to get out of a particular player who may have had a bad year in the 2020 season, which is exactly what we're talking about with Wade. They also might view him more as a slot corner, which is where he stood out tremendously back in uh, the 2019 season. He has really long arms, 33 and a half inch long, long arms and runs a 4440. 33 and a half inch arms is 97th percentile. When you combine that with speed, it's a really rare measurable category for a DB, which is what a lot of these guys are looking for. So where does his prop open? Well, his prop open at 168 and a half, which is basically a late fifth round pick that has moved all the way to an early fourth round pick at my at 112 and a half. We bet that a couple of times on the way down, betting him under, which means he's going to get drafted before mm -hmm. 168 and a half. And you're able to get down decent enough limits to make something like that worthwhile. The guy that I think still has a little bit of value, if you have access to these types of props, is Quinn Minieres, who is an offensive lineman from a, a non-D1 school. Okay, we're talking about a school that did not get viewed very well, but this guy could potentially be drafted as the highest D3 player ever. And the record wow. is 52 and a half. Minieres' prop open at 95 and a half. It has been bet all the way down to 66 and a half, which basically means you're outside that second round. But we're hearing rumors that he could go in that second round and there's still probably, even though it's moved a lot, a little bit of value. So the bottom line here is you have to figure out when something has been overbet and when something still has a little bit of value on some of these props that move a lot. And as Drew knows, oftentimes you're going to find props that might have moved a fair amount, but you're still going to be able to hammer that. And there's still value there. And I think Miniera's even at 66 and a half offers value towards the under. I like that. I, that's a, it is great advice just in general to look down the board for value because, you know, there is a t all the air is being sucked out of the room. What's going to happen in the top 10? And for sure, you know, stuff is falling through the cracks, it feels like. If I want to, I'd like to pick your brain on something that I think is kind of more macro, uh, kind of right in your wheelhouse with, uh, you know, how teams and how offenses are distributing personnel. We're seeing, a you know, just a gold rush of, uh, you know, of offensive linemen, wide receivers shooting up, uh, you know, shooting up the board here and it feels like a lot of teams you know they're using more you know 11 personnel you want three wide receivers on the field and then if you do that that obviously puts a huge premium on having good offensive linemen because you know you don't have as many tight ends out there to help with pass protection you don't have many running backs to help with pass protection so um i guess are you are you seeing that this macro trend would potentially lead to um you know more offensive linemen taken in the first round than even uh, talent would warrant this year 
Macro level, absolutely. Um, something changed last week that has me a little bit more concerned about that. Um, and so I'll go ahead and showcase like some of the bets that we've made um, on the offensive lineman prop, which is at six and a half. Now the lines are all over the place. So at different books, you're going to be able to find different numbers. And so, you know, my advice always is you shop around, try to find mm -hmm. a good number when you're betting these things. Um, but at six and a half, I initially felt that there was value towards the over. And the primary reason was what you said, Drew, as well as the teams that were in the back half of that first round, particularly the bottom 10. A lot of these teams have good offenses, but they just saw what happened to Patrick Mahomes. They're thinking that maybe <laughs> yeah. we need to reinforce our offensive line because depth along the line is something that's going to be extremely valuable, particularly with an extra game in the season. We're now of a 17th game. And some people say, well, you need an extra running back now because you're going to be running the ball a little bit more often and those guys get hurt a lot. Well, yeah, but if your offensive linemen go down, then the engine of your offense is the quarterback in the passing attack. You do not want to have your quarterback exposed and so for that reason i thought o-line over six and a half offered good value and we got that at plus 110 for nice. roughly around like 12 percent of our bankroll uh or 12 percent of what we're allocating to um to the props so far this season but what ends up happening is last week, Orlando Brown gets traded to the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, to me, that changed the whole handicap here because prior to that, we are thinking Kansas City sitting at 31 is going to be one of the prime teams to take an offensive lineman in the first round. And it's not like we thought that there was going to be 9-10 O-linemen going in the first round. We thought there are some scenarios where you're not going to hit over six and a half. You might get six. And so we needed Kansas City to take one. They they acquire Orlando Brown. Does Baltimore need to go O-line? Well, they might, but then they go ahead and they trade. Uh, there, there's rumors that they're going to sign one of these free agent offensive linemen, but wait until after the draft so that they don't mm -hmm. hurt their compensatory pick selection process. Mm -hmm. Therefore, that was going to hurt the ability to get that seventh offensive lineman in this round. So what we ended up doing right after that news broke, and this is why you have to be a little bit flexible, and you're not handicapping what you want to happen. You're not handicapping what you believe teams should do. You're handicapping what you think is actually going to happen with these moves. So as much as I want them to go O-line, there's a great possibility that the Buffalo Bills go running back or the Pittsburgh Steelers go running back. And then now Kansas City's not there at 31 needing a, needing an offensive lineman. So we bet a little bit on the under. We took a lot of our position off, um, but we were able to get it at plus 112, which really helped um, where we're uh, split on that and doesn't hurt us that much. We still have a little bit on the over six and a half, but what was going to be one of our larger positions has now turned into one of our smaller positions. And I really think at this point, it's pretty much of a coin flip, uh, whether or not we're going to hit six and a half at this moment. Hey, Warren, real quick, I got to ask you this because you talked about the running back position. Honestly, I wanted to talk about Kyle Pitts because I went to Florida, but we'll get into that another day. The running back position right now on points at over half a running back drafted in the first round at minus 334. Last week, it was in the high 200s, but probably since these trades and exactly what you just said is why that number moved. So what's your stance on the running backs in the first round? Again, this is at that number. There's no way I can justify doing anything, to be honest. Um, I think there's a lot of tax on going over. But if, if I had to place a lean, I would probably go towards the over even at that number because as much as I don't want Pittsburgh, I've gone on Pittsburgh radio, I've talked to Pittsburgh, I've written articles, I don't want Pittsburgh going 
running back because their O-line is so miserable so that that running back is not going to meet his ceiling and a first-round running back is going to look like a sixth-round running back in Pittsburgh this upcoming <laughs> season. Yes. So there's no benefit of doing that without a good right. O-line. But I believe that they there's a very good chance. We just saw Peter King's mock come out up on NBC that he thinks that Pittsburgh's going running back there. So um, I'm really I'm really worried about Pittsburgh going running back there. Um, there's also a couple of other teams that I actually communicate with that are rumored to be looking at running backs. And I've tried to send the article I wrote for NBC Sports to those guys. I've had phone conversations with them about drafting a running back in the first round. But at the end of the day, like, they some of these guys are old school type guys and they seem to think that this one player in the passing game maybe or just elevating some of the runs turning a five-yard run into a 35-yard run could make the difference in them being able to win a Super Bowl this year so you know I throw my hands up there's only so much I can do but um I, I would love it if no first round running backs go but I'm not so sure well, it sounds like you did some good risk management on your offensive line uh, play. That makes total sense to me. And, you yeah. know, I, I, if if Pittsburgh goes running back over O-line, my goodness. We'll, um, have to, we'll have to pick your brain more about it, Warren, another time, which we will talk about because, Warren, one, we could check out all your content on the Edge website. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Sharp Edge. Also, Warren's going to be joining myself on a post-show the night after the first day of the draft on NBC Sports Ooh. YouTube channel, where if a running back goes then, Warren could yell live <laughs> on air with me. So we'll save that for the reaction following the draft. Warren, thank you so much. One last thing to slip in, guys. Two props that we are looking to bet that we haven't bet now. You can actually get a Pittsburgh to go running back at plus 200 in the first round. Also, Oja Larry. Okay. over 26 and a half might be interesting. There's been some medical concerns. We actually haven't been able to get down on this. I'm actually making a phone call as soon as I get off this pod with you guys to place a little action there. So in case people want to look at uh, maybe some Definitely. bets that they haven't made, there you guys go. Over 26 and a half at plus 100 on points bet right now. Amazing. Warren, thank you so much as always. Thanks guys. All right. Let's talk a little basketball. There's a lot to digest that we will go through out the week on the show right here, Bet the Edge, getting more into NFL draft props. But as always, Warren's insights, <laughs> incredible. And I'm excited to see what Pittsburgh does now. Okay, getting into basketball, though. This is where I got to pick your brain a little bit. The Clippers sure. and the Pelicans tonight. We'll get into it a little bit more. But the Los Angeles Clippers have won nine of their last 10 games, now only half a game behind the second-seeded Suns. So, Drew, really quickly, we're going to look at Zion and, and PG because their props here are what stands out the most before we get to the side, which I know you have a say on. Right now, I'm just looking at Zion Williamson. His total points, 28 and a half. Edge projection has him 29.7. He set the over three out of his last four games, 34 points, 33 points, 23 points, 34 points. He's gone over that 28 mark. So what are your thoughts on Zion and his prop tonight? I personally think this is an over game anyway. Um, yeah. We've seen the total come up from 227, 228 and a half. I would make it 234 personally. Um, both both of these teams' offenses are a nightmare for the opposing defense to stop. Uh, you know, Clippers struggle to defend the rim. Zion is eating at the rim right now. Mm -hmm. uh, I would entirely expect uh, that he can cruise over that number. I like that the uh, um, that the edge tool. Right is yeah. in agreement there. Similarly, Paul George, he is shooting the lights out right now. Um, Pelicans, extremely poor perimeter defense. Mm -hmm. uh, he should, he should absolutely, uh, he should absolutely be able to make that number. 
Yeah, the Pelicans allow 115.1 points per game. That's the fourth worst in the association. Paul George has been incredible as of lately. I'm going over tonight. 30-plus points in seven of his last 10 games this month alone. So to your point, defense is going to be optional tonight. Let's go over. Okay, edge of the day. This is where we're giving out our plays that we think there's still value in the market. Of course, you can find these odds on points bet. Drew, take it away. Where are you going tonight? Yeah, so we saw the uh, the Clippers open at three and a half. People thought maybe Kawhi would be back. Uh, he is ruled out, and it moves down to minus two. Um, but kind of piggybacking on what we just laid out there, uh, the way Paul George is playing right now, the uh, the degree to which the Clippers are shooting the three is otherworldly, uh, and that matches up with the key weakness in the uh, what the Pelicans do from a defensive scheme standpoint. On top of the fact that the Clippers are coming in with a nice little rest advantage, Pelicans. I can see them having a lead uh, for most, uh, if, you know, maybe the first three quarters of the game. Um, but the Clippers are, you know, you brought up their their past success. They are flipping the switch in fourth quarters. Yeah. And it is awesome to watch. This team is absolutely cruising for title contention. Uh, and even in the absence of Kawhi Leonard, who is getting a nice little rest sabbatical here. So he will be primed for playoff uh, peak performance. Uh, I think the Clippers get it done tonight. I'm laying the two points. Yeah, I love the two points with the clip, with the Clippers. You convinced me, and then doing a little research of my own with our edge tool, I'm in. All right, let's go to baseball. I'll finish us off here with the Brewers and the Marlins. Opened at seven on points bet. It's now six and a half, and I swear it's going to take down to six before we get off the air. I feel like <laughs> six and a half. Major League Baseball teams are recording record lows in hits, high in strikeouts. So the under has been the trend. Over under totals 137, 152, and 12. So a winning edge right now wow, for wow, betting wow. unders. Milwaukee and uh, the Marlins tonight. Just look at the two starting pitchers. Corbin Burns has been absolutely insane for the Brewers. 40 strikeouts, zero walks, and 24 innings. His ERA is a .37. So that will play in this league. I like the under for that reason. If you look at Trevor Rogers, who's starting for the Marlins, also his ERA alone a 1.34. 31 Ks and 10 walks. So uh, I think this is going to be an under game. Still no Christian Yelich. Brian Anderson and Starling, Starling Marte are out for the Marlins. Of course, Yelich for the uh, Brewers. I will say the under is 4-0 in the Marlins' last four when the total is 6.5 or lower. That's enough for me to like the under in that game, Drew. I love it. Solid bullpens. Welcome to the dead ball era. Let's play yeah. some Yeah, you're right. The dead ball is certainly playing a role. Okay, the good news is... We get to talk about these plays and how we did tomorrow because we will be back. This was the deb debut episode of Bet the Edge powered by PointsBet. I'm Sarah Perlman. This was Drew Dinsick. We had so much fun, Drew. I look forward to being back on with you tomorrow. Of course. This is going to be fantastic. And congratulations. Best of luck on all your plays today. All right, guys. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Bet the Edge. Bet the Edge.